Well, if you were in Bible class today, you studied uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. You kind of took a, a little break from just plowing right on through, but we're going to keep on heading through the book of Acts, and we've come to chapters 13 and 14, which is an account of the first journey of Paul. We normally call it Paul's first missionary journey, even though he was accompanied by Barnabas and also John Mark. Uh, so it really was the PB&J journey to begin with, but Jay turns around and leaves, but you know all of that. Uh, anyway, it, it, this is given to us in chapters 13 and 14, and notice who it is that starts this journey. We're, we're not going to read the whole thing, okay? I, I didn't want y'all to have to sit and listen to two chapters. We're going to read the beginning of the, the journey, the end of the journey. Let's be standing, please. This is the Word of God recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 13. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. For example, there were Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manine, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they, the church, had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And now, the end of that journey, chapter 14, verse 21. They preached the good news in that city, that's Derby, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came, came into Pamphylia and when they had preached the word at Perga, they went down to Adelia. From Adelia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. May God bless the reading of his word. Have I got that on yet? There it is. You go over to a friend's house to have dinner. You think this is going to be just a nice time to sit and visit, catch up with each other. And they utter the dreaded words. Would you like to see pictures of our vacation? What do you say? Uh, well, yeah, sure. You know, it's funny how other people's vacations are just not that interesting. Now, for so long, I, I, I thought that it was other people's vacations that weren't interesting, but they were extremely interested in my vacation. But till one time we went on a really great trip. We went up into the Midwest, into Ohio and Pennsylvania, that area, and uh, took a video of that. And, and we watched the video and we got back and we were just rolling on the ground at the things the kids had done and they had said. For example, Jeff, our middle child, took the video camera into the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and he went around to every bust in, in the, the room that, that he had ever heard of and he would take a video of that bust and read the plaque onto the video. Uh, we thought that was hilarious. We just laughed and laughed. We had some friends over and we said, want to see a video of our vacation? And they smiled and said, 
sure. <laughs> and we showed them that, and, and we were laughing and enjoying this, and we looked over at them, and, you know, they didn't find it that interesting. It's just kind of that way, isn't it, that other people's adventures are not always just riveting for us. Well, when we get to this point in the book of Acts, to be quite honest, we sometimes begin to lose our focus. You know, we, we say, okay, we're going to read through Acts, or we're going to study through Acts. And, and we sail through the first 12 chapters, and there's all these events going on, and we think, wow, wow, wow. And then we get to chapter 13, and Paul goes on a trip. He takes a journey. And we begin reading the names of these places, and they all sort of start running together. And it seems like pretty much the same thing happens in every place. You know, it's kind of like when you commit to reading through the Old Testament, and you run into Leviticus, And you begin questioning whether or not you really want to read all the Old Testament or not. Well, you get to this part of Acts and you begin thinking, okay, well, let me see if I can skip over here and find a story again. And we preachers are guilty of that. We rush ahead and we want to talk about the Philippian jailer or Lydia or or one of those really interesting stories. But today we want to look at the journey of Paul. And like I said, it's really Paul and Barnabas, and in the beginning, John Mark, but we just always call it the first missionary journey of Paul, with the understanding that other people's trips are not always real interesting to us, unless, unless we're reading about a place and looking at pictures of a place that we've been before. You ever notice that when someone goes somewhere where you've been? It's a lot more interesting to look at the pictures because you recognize things. You go, oh, yeah, I remember that. So it's interesting if we've been to a place before or if we're planning on going to that place. So let's journey along with Paul. And we're going to look at some things that that you won't discover on your GPS. We're going to look here at his first missionary journey and explore along with him as he travels through this area of the world. Now, this is a map that if you're a Bible student, you're very familiar with that. Israel is down there in the right-hand corner, and then you got Asia Minor. And this is an area that had not at that point been evangelized at all. And this is the part that Paul is going to travel through. So let's drop Paul in there. There's Paul. And he's in Antioch, Antioch of Syria. And by this time, the church in Antioch of Syria was a really large church. It was a very dynamic church. In the beginning of our reading, did you notice that they had a lot of teachers and prophets there? And two of them we had heard of, Barnabas and Saul, who was about to become Paul. And we can finally say Paul and be, you know, correct with the book of Acts. And also on this journey, you'll notice if you read through chapters 13 and 14, that the journey begins, it's Barnabas and Saul, but as it ends up, it's Paul and Barnabas. Paul's name changes, and they sort of switch places as to which one of them is really the more dynamic as far as the one that, that, that is doing the work and preaching and teaching. So Paul is in Antioch. It's a great church, and this church is doing something really neat. At the time that we pick the story up, they have dedicated a time to fast and to pray. In other words, they decided that they needed to listen to God. 
that, that they had come to a point in their church life where things were going well, but if they wanted them to go continue to go well and to know what it was that God wanted them to do next, they needed to have a dedicated time of fasting and prayer. So as they decide that they're going to fast and pray and listen to God, guess who talked to them? The Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the main character in the book of Acts. Everything that happens in the book of Acts happens because the Holy Spirit instigates it. The Holy Spirit says, do this, or the Holy Spirit makes it happen. So in this instance, as the church is fasting and praying and listening for the voice of God, the Holy Spirit says, okay, I want you to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, and I want you to send them where I'm planning for them to go. So the church continues fasting and praying. They get Barnabas and Saul. They place their hands on them. It's what first century church did is when they were commissioning people to go out. They placed their hands on them, and they commissioned them then to go on this journey. So off they go. They go down, they get in the boat, and they sail over to the island of Cyprus. Now, they start there at the beginning point of the island nearest to them. They work their way across the island all the way to Paphos. Paphos is the capital city. There the governor of Cyprus lives. His name is Sergius Paulus. And Paul is teaching him, and and he's really interested in these things. And he's very uh, inclined to believe what Paul is saying. But he has an advisor, a spiritual advisor named Bargesus. Anybody know that name? And he is a Jewish sorcerer. Well, he doesn't like someone getting in on his territory, so he starts whispering in Sergius Paulus' ear, don't listen to this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And Paul turns to him and says, you're a blind man, so be blind. And he was. He couldn't see a thing. Sergius Paulus goes, whoa. And he is converted to Christianity, and many of the people of Cyprus then become disciples as well. Well, from Cyprus, they go on up into Pamphylia to Perga, and this is where John Mark goes home. We don't know why John Mark goes home. At this point, it's been Barnabas and Saul and John Mark. We don't know if he missed his mama and wanted to go see her, or if he's getting scared because they're getting into some really different areas, different customs. The gospel hadn't been preached up there Uh, As my little two-year-old grandson often says, it's scary. (laughs) So maybe that's why, you know, he he just bails out and he runs back home or leaves them. Well, Paul and Barnabas continue on. They go up to Antioch. You say, well, I thought they started in Antioch. Well, there's lots of Antiochs. Why is that? Because they're all named after one of Alexander the Great's generals named Antiochus. And Antiochus was the general that took over this area when Alexander died. And so in almost every province, there was some town or city named Antioch. It's kind of like in the United States. Almost every state you go to has some town named Washington. You know, so they've got Antiochs everywhere. Well, this is Antioch. We usually say Antioch in Pisidia. And this is an important stop for them because it kind of sets the tone for the way Paul and Barnabas are going to evangelize Asia. They first go to the synagogue and they preach. And in fact, in chapter 13, we have the text of Paul's sermon. 
And if you have never read that or it's been a long time since you read it, well, go home today and read. Don't do it now. I'm talking, okay? But go home and read the, the, the text of Paul's sermon because it's a wonderful sermon. It really is my favorite sermon that Paul ever preached or at least that we have recorded here in the Bible. So he preaches this sermon and everybody in the synagogue goes, wow, this is really interesting stuff and this guy is a great preacher. So the next Sunday, or Saturday, excuse me, synagogue, Saturday, yeah. So next Saturday, they all come back, but it says the whole town came. Even the Gentiles came to hear Saul or Paul preach. And so he starts preaching again, and people are being converted to Christianity. Well, the leaders of that synagogue, guess what? They're human beings. You know, they've been the leaders of that synagogue all along. That synagogue has been a healthy synagogue, but it hasn't attracted the whole town to it before. What do you think their reaction to all of this is? Well, they're jealous, of course. You know, here comes this newcomer into town. He's saying some kind of strange and different things. And now all of a sudden, the whole town is excited. So they begin to badmouth Paul and Barnabas. And then they start stirring things up in the town. They go to the city leaders and say, we've got these strangers in town that are causing trouble. And so they eventually get kicked out of town. Well, they pack their bags. They move over to Iconium. There they go the whole thing. Oh, I left something out. Whenever they first started having trouble with the synagogue, ooh, and this was one of the most important things. I'm sorry. They turned to the Gentiles. That, that's the pattern that they're going to follow all through here. Anytime they go to a town, they'll first go to the synagogue, they'll preach to the Jews, and if the Jews get upset with them, which the Jewish leaders tended to, then they turn and preach to the Gentiles. Okay, they did that, then they got kicked out of town. Iconium, they go to do the same thing, preach in the synagogue. Then they turn to the Gentiles. They're preaching to the Gentiles. The city leaders get all upset. They threaten them. They tell them they're going to hurt them if they don't leave, and so they leave. They go down to Lystra. Now, in Lystra, something really interesting happens. Paul's up preaching. There's a crippled man there. And Paul looks at him and says, why don't you just get up and walk? And the man gets up and walks. And the people are blown away. In fact, these people who had been pagans, who had worshipped other gods, they get the idea that the gods they have been worshipping all this time have now come to visit them. And they say, you know what, this old guy here, Barnabas, he is Zeus. And this younger guy that's doing all the talking, he's the messenger god who is Hermes, or Mars, if you're speaking Roman there, or Latin. But you've got Zeus and Hermes have come to see us. So the priest of Zeus, he goes and gets some animals, and he's going to offer a sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And, he, and they bring them in, and Paul and Barnabas get word of this. They say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not gods. We're just people. We're teaching you about God. And it said, the Bible says they are barely able to restrain these people from offering sacrifices to them. But it's funny how quickly things change. The people up in Antioch and Iconium heard that they were being wildly successful down in Lystra. So they get together and they come down. And they say, you don't know who these guys are. They're troublemakers. And they stir everything up so much that they don't just get kicked out of town. What happens to Paul? He gets stoned to death. 
Now, being stoned doesn't mean what it means today, okay? All right, but being, having rocks thrown at you, and they're not little rocks either. They're big rocks. This was a, me, a means of execution. So you got Paul out there, and they're chunking these big rocks at him until what happens? He's dead, and they drag him out and throw him in the garbage. It's interesting how this is told by Luke very concisely. Listen to this. But Jews came there, this is Lystra, from Antioch and Iconium, and won over the crowds. Then they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. (laughs) You know, that is so condensed, isn't it? You can imagine. You think the rocks hurt? You you think, what's it like to get rocks? They throw him away in the garbage. But when the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went back in the city. That's it. <laughs> I love that account. You know. Oh, yeah, they killed Paul, threw him away, but he got up and went back in the city. All right. So they spend the night there, and then they go back. Well, they head on to Derby. Let's get him over to Derby. And there they preach, and they're successful. And then it's time to go home. So they go back, and they go to Lystra again. Takes some guts, doesn't it? Go back up to Iconium again. And then they go over to Antioch again. And what are they doing this whole time? Well, they're appointing elders for the churches, so the churches will have leadership. And they're also encouraging the disciples by telling them and warning them that being a disciple is not an easy thing to do. So that it it takes a lot of work, and it's through many hardships or troubles that you enter the kingdom of God. They work their way on back to Pamphylia, where that's where John Mark had left them. And then they get their bearings, and they sail back all the way to Antioch. Wasn't that fun? Did y'all enjoy Paul's trip? Can I be honest with you? I've seen several yawns out there. Yeah, I see you when you do that. In fact, I see you when you do a lot of things, okay? So be careful. <laughs> all right. uh, yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, it's, it, but it's history. And... As many children, many kids will tell you, history is kind of boring. Let's reframe this. Do you remember what we said before? Other people's trips are boring if you've never been there or you don't plan on going. And the reason that Luke recorded this trip for us wasn't just to give us history, but it was to encourage us to take this same trip that Paul made, to go with him. And to travel with him. To have this journey. If you have not been on the journey that Paul made, then you really need to make plans to take that journey now. Well, what do we mean? Do we mean pack up and go over to Asia Minor, Turkey now, and go visit these places and see the ruins where Paul once preached? No, no, no. It's not that literal. But to be a follower of Christ is to be on a journey. And the book of Acts is not just a history book. It's a road map. It's a GPS that leads us and guides us on our journey as well. So what do we learn from this journey if we want to travel in the footsteps of Paul? If we want to take a trip of our own? If we want to look at this and say, wow, this is really interesting stuff. Because I can relate to that. I understand. Very quickly, let's map out our journey. How did Paul's journey begin? Well, it began by listening for God's voice, didn't it? Do you remember back over there when they were in Antioch of Syria? And the church was praying and asking God, what do you want us to do next? 
Our lives can be so busy and so hectic that we can live our lives without ever hearing the voice of God. We don't really know what it is He wants for us because we've never asked, or if we've asked, we haven't slowed down enough for Him to tell us. However, He might choose to do so. Now, I know in Acts, it's from some obviously audible voice of the Holy Spirit, or maybe it was through one of the prophets. I don't know. But God has a lot of ways to let you know what he wants you to do. But you have to ask, and you have to be still enough. Remember those passages in the Old Testament that keep saying, be still, be still, be still. And you have to listen to hear it. You know, one thing that we teach in Churches of Christ, as do a lot of other churches, we teach this idea of free will. Has anyone ever heard of that doctrine, the doctrine of free will? Well, I believe in that. But you know another way to say free will? It's to say it this way. God is not going to interrupt you. If you're busy, he'll let you be busy. And if you're doing the things that you want to do, he will let you do the things you want to do. But if you stop and turn to him and say, what do you want me to do? then Scripture tells us over and over that He will find some way to let you know what it is He wants you to be doing with this precious gift of life that He has given you. Well, the second thing is that if you hear the voice of God and you ask Him and you're still enough to know and to have some confidence of where He is leading you, then you've got to respond. You know, there were probably 156 reasons why Paul and Barnabas did not want to leave Antioch. This was a mission point. They were already out of their familiar territory. The church was doing wonderful. They were prophets and teachers there. They had lots of friends there. They could list a lot of reasons why they didn't want to leave Antioch. But whenever the Holy Spirit said, I've got something for you to do, they responded and they did it. Now, if you ask God, what is it you want me to do? And he gives you an answer. That answer is going to involve you leaving something behind. None of you, I don't think, have lives where you just sit in a house all day long thinking, I don't have anything to do. Your lives are rich and they're full. So if you're going to do something for the Lord, you're going to have to shove some things out of the way. You're going to have to move them over. You're going to have to make some time. You're going to have to leave something behind. Now, it may not be that you have to leave San Angelo behind or Texas behind. It may not be that you are called to go to the other side of the earth and preach the gospel. It may be that you're called upon to leave some kind of habit or activity behind that's eating up your time and and not leaving you any time to grow spiritually or to do things for others or whatever it may be. But once you have an inkling and you know that God is opening this door for you, then like Paul and Barnabas, you have to be willing to step through and say, okay, I asked. There it is. I better go do it. I better get busy. Another thing we learn from this is you've got to be persistent at it. What did Paul tell the disciples when he was going back through? You think he showed him his bruises and maybe even mending broken bones? I don't know what Paul looked like after he got stoned. 
I don't know what Paul looked like after God raised him from the dead after he was stoned. I don't know if, if God made him completely whole again or if he bore the marks of those rocks that hit him. But I think it would be pretty effective if he was still pretty beat up when he went back through the town saying, you know, it's going to be hard to be a Christian. You're going to face some opposition. You're going to hit some rough spots along the way. You're going to have opportunity just to forget about it. But you've got to be persistent. Paul was persistent. You know, well, the first time that they hit any opposition, in, like in Antioch of Pisidia, whenever the, whole te- the leaders of the town turned against them, they started threatening them, it could have been easy for Paul to say, well, this is too hard. You know, obviously, you know, I thought this was, I could do this. and I'm not going to do this. It's too hard. I want to warn you, in San Angelo, Texas, it's not going to be that you're going to have a lot of people probably come up to you and say, don't follow the Lord. Not many people are going to come up to you and say, don't try to be a good Christian. What you're going to have to be persistent in is continually carving out the time. Your life is going to fill up again. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you move some things over and you say, okay, I'm going to give this time to the Lord. I'm going to use it in serving Him. I'm going to use it in talking to Him. And it's like sand. You turn around a week later, it's all filled back in, isn't it? You've got to be persistent. Got to keep pushing. It's not easy to travel with the Lord, but it is what we are called to do. And then finally, be careful of success. You know, opposition and problems can knock you down, but success can ruin you. Paul and Barnabas at Lystra, they could have built them a house there. They could have settled in. People would have brought them anything they wanted. They were Zeus and Hermes, you know? We're like that. We, we decide to be a Christian. We do something. People start patting us on the back, saying, hey, how good you're doing. We're really proud of you. And before long, it's not about God anymore. It's about me. It's about what I'm getting out of this. And the fact that people appreciate me and respect me. Success can ruin us. Success can turn our eyes away from the Lord and put them right back on ourselves again. So we learn that as we watch Paul. And Paul and Barnabas run out and they fight against it and say, No, 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 it's not about us. It's about God. You want to go on this trip with them? Do you see why this is a trip we have to take with them? Do you see why that the book of Acts is not a history book, but it's a roadmap to discipleship? Do you see as Paul travels around that we watch him walk and we see what happens to him? And if we were making that same journey, we nod our head and say, well, it's not exactly the same, but I've been there or I'm headed there and I need to know what that's all about. I hope that some people in this room are ready to start that journey. Or maybe you started that journey and you stopped somewhere along the way. You know, you once again, listen for the voice of God. Let Him draw you to Himself. Let Him tell you what it is that He has for you. You may have wasted a good portion of your life. You may have, have just, you know, done things that you wanted to do all this time. And, but God will take what's left if you'll offer it to him and say, what do you want me to do with these months, these years, these decades that lay before me? Ask him and then respond 
and be persistent. Don't become discouraged. And don't put your eyes back on yourself again. We're going to stand, and we always sing a song at the end. And some of our church leaders stand around at the sides, at the back, at the front. And if you're ready to start that journey, and you really don't know what step to make next, a good step would be toward one of these guys. Let them pray with you. Let them embrace you. And let them lead you along the way. For through them, God may speak to you. Let's stand and sing.